Welcome back to Basic Snitches, the podcast for people with IBS. <laughs> for and with people with IBS. No, not for and with. That means the same thing. By and for people with IBS. <laughs> my name is Adam. I am very confused. Yep. Also, my name is Tara. We're your host, Adam, and very confused. Today we are recording from my living room. So the last episode was half done from the library. Usually we record in my kitchen, but we're doing it from the living room today. The goal is to record in every room of Adam's yeah. house. Next episode we'll be moving into the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be so pissed if we find that that's the best place to record. <laughs> it's probably very echoey in there. I'm going to lay in the bathtub. You can sit on the toilet. Oh, it's going to be real classy. <laughs> yeah. I have a crackling fire roaring on the TV. <laughs> it's very nice. Yeah. We just watched the movie portion of this week's chapter, and I was like, you know what? Let's have some little ambiance. It's approaching the holidays. Why not? Yeah, and we're drinking some wine. Yep, we're back on that, so... Back on our bullshit. (laughs) Hell yeah, we are. We won this wine, I guess. We did. our costumes. My first Halloween party ever. Our Newton Tina. Yes. It's very sweet wine. (laughs) It's sweet, but that's okay, because it is good. Because we are also really sweet. <laughs> Anyways, um, actually, you are more of a sweet wine. I'm more of a dry wine. I am less of a sweet wine than I used to be. This is too sweet for me, but we're enjoying it right now. Yeah, anyway. it's got the alcohol in it, and that's what matters. Alcohol. Spoken like a real fucking alcoholic. Here we are. Here we are. Today we're going to do chapter, which which one is it? Chapter seven. Chapter seven. Chapter seven. Mud, mud, bloods, and and murmurs. murmurs. But first. I didn't even have to open my notes. I'm getting better. You are getting better. I was like, I don't remember the number. Fast forward to the end of this chapter when I forget everything else. But But before we do that, do you want to know who won and lost chapter six? Of course. I feel like you probably know the answers to this. Maybe. The winner of chapter six is Professor Sprout. Oh, fuck yes. Because she's Our girl fucking Pomona. great. First of all. Giving shade to Gilderoy. She gives some awesome shade to Gilderoy. And you just get to see her be an awesome teacher. And I love it. I love getting to spend time with her. I loved finally getting her in the movies. She was wonderful. And on that note, speaking of teachers, <laughs> yay! time to give Gilderoy Lockhart another. Has he lost yet? I, I don't know. I mean, he loses no, every chapter. So. Motherfucker loses his own chapter. But. Yeah, he loses the chapter titled Gilderoy Lockhart, which is really very Fitting. nice. Do I need to even say why? Yeah, no explanation needed. Let's carry on with chapter seven. <laughs> All right, here is my summary for this chapter. Chapter seven, Mudbloods and Murmurs. Year two's rocky start continues as Colin and Lockhart continue to make Harry feel paranoid and Ron's broken wand continues to backfire. And honestly, I could stop right there if I wanted to if it weren't for two very important themes here. Racism and schizophrenia. In fact, we could just rename the chapter that. But then we lose the fun of alliteration and the fun of making Tara read another one of my dissertations. And this one is a dissertation. (laughs) (laughs) Harry is woken up at the ass crack of dawn by Oliver Wood for Quidditch practices, but really what he does is drone on and on and on, and his audience is at their least alert. It doesn't help that that fucking Colin Creepy, Colin Skeevy, what's-his-face, keeps stalking him. 
The moment that they start to actually practice, the walking root canal Marcus Flint <laughs> brings the Slytherin team on the field with their brand new Nimbus 2001 brooms bought by Lucius Malfoy. And you know, Lucius bought them with pure vindication as his empty chest cavity where a heart should be. But that's not self-righteous enough for Draco. When Hermione calls Draco out, he calls her a mudblood, a racist term against muggle-borns. Ron stands up for her and fires a curse, which backfires and causes him to vomit slugs uncontrollably. Honestly, the Gryffindor team could have just beat the shit out of them instead, which would have been preferable, honestly, but alas. They take Ron to the nearest place for reprieve, Hagrid's hut. Of course, Professor Dipshit is seen leaving, telling Hagrid how to do his job. Incorrectly, of course. As usual, Hagrid feeds them rocks. Well, treacle fudge, quotations. But trust me, it's rocks. That's when they explain what a mudblood is, and poor Ron continues to throw up slugs. However, we also learn three very intriguing bits of information here. One, Ginny had come by to visit Hagrid. Two, the first inclination that the dark arts post may be jinxed. Three, another note of Hagrid's pink umbrella and mentioning that Hagrid was expelled. Hmm, exposition. When going back to the castle, McGuh comes out and assigns detention. Ron has polished trophies with Argus Filch. Just think about that for a second. Polishing trophies with Filch. But even that pales in comparison to having to spend time with the biggest piece of shit that Ron threw up later. The slimy motherfucker himself, Lockhart. Ugh. As Harry is helping him with his fan mail, he starts to hear threatening voices that Lockhart can't hear. Probably because he has dicks for brains coming out of his ears, but still. So many clues toward the mystery of this book starting to appear. Yay. Yay. Okie dokie. A lot happens in this chapter. Yeah, so... You sent me a text and you were like, your chapter's more interesting. I actually find this chapter more interesting. Uh, I, so the next chapter is the Death Day Party, which is not in the movies at all. And we'll get there, of course. I don't know. I think it's so much more interesting because it's things that we tend to forget about, I think. And things that are kind of glossed over in this story. Okay. There's a lot that's also kind of like glossed over. They really rush through this part of the book in order to get to the real conflict. Because we really are out of, oh, we're reminding you of what kind of has been going on, what has happened stage. We're out of the kind of reintroduction into school and the wonder. And now we really are getting into the mystery of the story. Yeah. So, I think that's why I liked yours. I think that there's a couple extra new characters that are introduced in yours that are pretty exciting to me. So I think that's why. But both of these chapters are really now the setting up everything that we are going to be reading about for the rest of this book. And in some cases, the rest of this series, too. Mm -hmm. So I love how the chapter starts with Harry just avoiding people who annoy him. Yes. And how that's it's how like, I live my life. And how... He's already mastered this as best he can at 12, which is pretty exciting. But also how he just is like, I can't avoid Colin Creevy because he lives in my dorm and he knows my schedule and damn it. <laughs> yes. Well, first of all, and this might have been a note that I wrote down for the next chapter. You really see how much darker and kind of spooky this book is. And I think it really starts here. Like the first book... At this point, it was still really introducing everyone to the, I already said this, but the wonder of this world. And here, the first thing that we're doing is having to avoid these new people that we have been introduced. So there's 
immediately that kind of mood shift in this book. And it even opens up continuing some of the conflict that has already been set up for us. Like, I like that it mentions that Hedwig is still angry. Because Hedwig has every fucking right to be angry. Yes. Are you taking pictures of my cats? Yes, I love your cats. <laughs> well, that one was hiding. Yes. But she's, Busby she, looks like he just, like, ate a big snack and is passing out on the floor He's now. laying in front of the fire. I know, I love it. <laughs> I also really like how they mentioned Professor Flitwick because we don't see him as much this time. I feel so um, bad for Professor Flitwick. But poor Flitwick. Professor Flitwick. And it's not like just the wand hit him in the face. Like, no. he got like a wound from the wand flying in his it's face. It's a good thing he's fucking badass as hell. Yeah. Oh, poor Flitwick. The next thing that we cut to is Oliver Wood waking up Harry early. He's a psychopath. Let's talk about it. <laughs> he's also, so like dedicated, sleep. though, to this. and Yes, it, that is admirable. But he's not thinking it through. He's, he's kind of psycho. being a bad leader here. Several of them. I, think I don't think be... he's he's a good leader. Well, I think he's... He's extreme, which is fine. You know, like, I mean, I've never run a Quidditch team. I mean, there's a whole bunch of different ways to be a leader and everything. But one of the Weasley twins even mentioned how he wakes them up at the crack of dawn and go on this elaborate plan. Yes, I see pictures of my cats. Thank you. (laughs) We're recording a podcast, Tara. I got them while I could. As I was saying... (laughs) He wakes them up at this time where they're likely to be the least alert and ramble on and on and on while they could get yes. on the field and do it before Slytherin gets there. Of course, they didn't expect Slytherin to get there, but part of me is like, that's what you get for like wasting their time. I hadn't thought of that, and I agree with that. Here's the other thing is that Carrie is shivering getting out of bed, so it's cold. Wake their fucking asses out with a warm-up. Get them out that's there what I was going to say. On, on the pitch and be like... Let's warm up and then let's talk about this training regimen that he's put together. That's precisely exactly what I was going to say. I like, f- that's that's like step one of being the coach of a team. You know, I've never run a, a sports team or coached a sports team. But I feel like it's the same thing as, like, coaching any sort of team or leading anyone. Like, you're not just going to do a cold open with them. And I'm sure, like, there are ways to warm up in other ways too like you do speech yeah i warm the fuckers up but i do make them go practice their speeches when you sing you warm up your voice beforehand usually sometimes they make poor life choices (laughs) yes (laughs) but i mean like in a choral setting which is kind of like my whole background the first thing we would always do is our vocal warm-up i feel like anything i think talking at them is definitely not a way to get them moving It's terrible because, like, yes, we are introduced into this chapter with Oliver making some poor decisions here, but there are so many other, like, points to be taken away in this chapter. And yes, I'm completely jumping the gun here, but really, there's a lot of, like, unfortunate things that happen. Something that needs to also be said is just how freaking stalkery Colin is. First of all, it's the ass crack of dawn, of course, but... As Harry is leaving the common room, he sensed that Harry Potter was up and he's just bugging him. It's really annoying. It's (laughs) annoying. And there's a reason why he's around. I appreciate that. I am trying to recognize what that's like. We know we talk a lot about theater and stuff. We talk about people who, especially me, maybe not so much you, but like actors that I really admire. And I remember seeing a couple of actors in particular in shows years ago 
who I'm now friends with. Like, one of which I finally got to do a couple of shows with, and mm-hmm. I was like... She's also talking about me. Just kidding. <laughs> she's definitely not. <laughs> definitely talking about... She's been doing, You know who I'm talking about. She's been doing theater for years. Wait, who are you Pam Matthews. About? Oh, my God. Hi, Pam. But, no, but, like, I mean, I wasn't, like, stalking Pam. Tara has a boner for you, Pam. I mean, she knew. She, she knows. She's, she been new. But really, like, what that feeling is like, when I met, like, my favorite Broadway performer in New York City, I held it together talking to her without sounding like a fucking psycho. I probably sounded dumb that I had to, like, step away and, like, cry about it because I'm that crazy. But then I wonder what it means to acknowledge other people and we recognize good qualities in them that we strive to be like. Colin is the first person we see like that in this series, which is interesting because like we're in Harry's mind so much. We never get Harry being like, oh, I wish I was like Dumbledore. The story is about Harry becoming himself. Yeah. As people who are following the story, people who are outside of this this particular situation, it's kind of nice and real to have a person that we don't necessarily spend much time with you get to see like idolize someone who thinks of themselves as normal a lot of times when i meet a new character in this series it makes me think of like why were they classified the way they were and the way that i think i would approach meeting somebody who i idolize which to be honest like i don't have a lot of like heroes and stuff just in general and clearly i think what it is here is Harry is like a bit of a hero to him. You know, if I did have someone like that that I met, I feel like I would be a little bit timid at first and kind of keep my distance and everything. Whereas he just goes all the way in. And I feel like it's the bravery of a Gryffindor and that's why he was here. Now, the other thing, though... Like he doesn't realize that he's an annoying fuck? He he doesn't realize that he is crossing boundaries yeah. that is the main thing that he does here that yes. i think is annoying it's very annoying i'm you not for, i'm not saying that it's okay i'm just like kind of using him as a avatar for yeah. that kind of thought i mean it's just absolute extreme like waking up at the same time and like following him out to gryffindor practice like what if that was like a closed thing that's like this right. is just for them like not considering that stuff it is what it is i mean i'm overthinking it to a degree no but he really is just, like, completely... It's a lot. Yeah. I will say Harry, kudos to him, he is very patient. Like, he He's, he's outwardly patient. I'm sure that in... Oh, inside, inside I'm sure he's, he's like, he's oh like, my get the fuck God. away from me. But, but he's... Yeah. That's really admirable. I think that he explains Quidditch very well to Colin, because Colin... He's muggle-born. And that is another reason why this is necessary. We've met him already and kind of kind of been introduced to this camera thing that he does. But this is important because it does stress that he doesn't know anything about Quidditch. Yeah. The whole Colin thing happens. The whole Oliver thing happens. They get on the field. Oh my gosh. And that's when the Slytherins come in. There were so many things in this scene, too, where it's like, okay, who do you point the finger at? Because, like, Marcus Flint, we all know that he's... Terrible. Yeah, he's an unfair <clears throat> cheater. That's something we talked about last season. But then there's Snape, who is writing this note to give them permission, when apparently the Slytherins did not follow the correct protocol and felt like they could fly above it. No pun intended for once. But then on top of it, that entitlement, I think, is like riding the high from getting all these free brooms from Lucius Malfoy, who you know that it was to be vindictive. I also approach that from two different places. I could see Lucius hearing like Harry Potter is on the team. Well, 
my boy needs to be on the team, so this is what I'm going to do to get where I need to go. It's the Slytherin ambition. But at the same time, like, if I were Lucius Malfoy, my personality is like, oh my god, this fucking kid won't shut up about Harry Potter. Let me buy the whole team rooms. Because <laughs> I almost think that's an angle to take, too, but we all know that was the first one. Well, the other thing is, I'm remembering that in the first book, when Harry meets Draco, doesn't know it's Draco, in the robe shop. Yeah. Draco says something along the lines of, my father will think it's unfair or whatever if I'm not chosen for the house team, or he's saying he's hoping to be chosen for the house team or whatever. But I'm thinking about the fact that, like, he is not even at all trying to hide this really shitty thing that they did. This team is apparently not good enough to just have tryouts for a seeker, but, oh, well, Draco Malfoy, his father will buy us all brooms. Like, it's so gross. Entitlement is such a huge thing here. Because then, of course, what happens next, and it's exactly what you said. Hermione was fucking right. I fucking love how she comes in and she's like, the, don't have to buy their way onto the team. They got in by pure talent. Yeah, and they're like giving the Weasley shit. And I was like, well, Fred and George have been on the team now, at least since their second year. Yeah. Like the Slytherins don't even know if Draco will be able to catch the thing. Being a seeker, like, oh, I we imagine... want faster brooms. Yeah. And it doesn't just take speed, I'm sure. Right. You know? Like, the whole team doesn't need a fast broom either because there's other things like agility and motor skills and <laughs> accuracy and things like that. That broom isn't going to get you. The only position that really needs the speed, I think, is the seeker. Maybe the beaters because, you know, they have to protect other people and that might require some speed. But Well, the keeper definitely doesn't. No, not at all. <laughs> Well, I mean, okay, maybe yeah. maybe a little bit, because, like, you know, you yeah. need to, uh, there's only one quaffle, that's the thing, so it's yeah, not sure. like... Yeah, sure, they can all have faster brooms, but faster brooms, like you said, doesn't mean shit. For example, I think of, like, video games, when you're, like, picking a character and they all have their stats and everything. You can't just have speed, you need to have all these other things to even out to be the strongest person. The whole thing is just, like, puffing out their chests and showing that they're better simply because Lucius has money. It's not even anything, like, indicative of their own strengths, you know? Right. And then when Hermione calls them out on it, Draco does, like, the typical white supremacist thing and calls her a disgusting <laughs> name. I hate him. I love this moment because everybody gets in an uproar. Like, even the Slytherins, like, I think it says something about, like, Marcus Flint protecting Draco or covering his yeah, mouth or because, something. Because um, they know it's wrong, too. And, like, Hermione actually doesn't even realize what it is. Right. And, of course, Harry doesn't either. <clears throat> Ron, without even thinking about it, we know he doesn't think about things. Uh, listen to, like, the last couple chapters if you want to refresher on that. He immediately gets out his broken wand, casts the spell, and it backfires on him. And I want to also harken back to, like, how Hermione felt about the whole car incident. And then the howler happens, and then she kind of eased off. Like, she felt like, okay, you've been punished enough. At this point, Ron is sticking up for Hermione, and it backfires on Ron. And it's like, okay, that broken wand is 
a result of what happened with the car. Like, now you've really been punished way too much. And he hasn't even had his detention yet, which we learn about shortly as well. Poor Ron. Like, he is so... I also wrote, poor Ron. Fuck Slytherin. Sorry, Adam. (laughs) And this is, like, a really bad Slytherin moment. And I was trying to kind of look at it in a way of, like, okay, the other Slytherins know that this is bad, too. But, like, Draco is like, my father got these brooms for the entire team. And I can say whatever the fuck I want because it's now I'm gross. at the top. It's terrible. It. And so that's why I'm really trying to be like pinpointed on Draco because we don't know if the Slytherins just kind of like stood at idly by and like laughed along with it. My thought is they didn't because not all Slytherins are evil, you know? No, like, no, no. But this is not a very strong Slytherin moment. I mean, also, it's it's the Slytherin team. I feel like that group of people are not nice guys. That's true, too. That's like, a good point. They're like jock Slytherin. Not all jocks are assholes. No. no. And, like, but not this all athletes are. But also, like, at this age, and because they're, like, toting around their brooms and stuff, and the fact that they got access to the field in a way that didn't follow protocol, all of it is just, like I said, it's puffing out their chests. Yeah, they're not great. Yeah. After that, they go to Hagrid's. They go to Hagrid's. But first, they see that Glockhart is there. Because Ugh. Lockhart is actually just stalking Harry. Too. It's just like floating I'm from asshole yeah. to asshole. <laughs> like, I'm convinced that Lockhart is stalking Harry. He just well, happens oh. to be talking to Sprout before Harry's herbology lesson. He just happens to be talking to Hagrid before Harry goes down there. Yeah. He likes to be like, I'm superior to you, lesser celebrity, even though you're not really. I think that that's Well, there's a couple things. It's him also being like, I'm superior to all you other teachers who know how to do your fucking jobs. Right. First of all. Well, Hagrid isn't a teacher yet. Well, no, but staff. Yeah. He's superior to all staff. To be fair, Harry is also kind of like that person who's always in the wrong place at the wrong time, too. If Harry has one amazing talent, that's what it is. And sometimes his most unfortunate. Also, luckily for the reader, also a really nice thing. Yeah, (laughs) great, great entertainment. Yeah. Thanks, Harry, for your shitty luck. And this is where we really learn what a mudblood is. And it's also a beautiful Hagrid. Also, Ron is amazing in this scene. (laughs) My only frustration with Hagrid in this scene is that Ron is, like, giving us this beautiful lecture explaining what mudblood means and talking about, like, wizard purity and, like, if they hadn't started marrying muggles, we'd die off, you know, whatever. But he's also, like, vomiting slugs. And Hagrid also knows this answer. Why are you not being like, you know, you sit over there. You take care of that. I will He's still fired up. To these two bitches who were raised by muggles. But I, yes. And he's still fired up. I love Ron in the scene. Except for when he's like dunking on Neville Longbottom. He says, I mean, the rest of us know it doesn't make any difference at all. Look at Neville Longbottom. Mm-hmm. He's pure blood and he can hardly stand a cauldron the right way up. A little low. Neville is your friend. How about you shit all over Malfoy, who had to buy his way out of the... That insult was tailor-made for you, Ron. You could be like, look at Draco Malfoy. No one knows if he can fucking fly. His dad had to buy his way onto the team. So that makes me a little bit boo, Ron. But yeah, he and Hagrid are just... The great thing that Hagrid says that is kind of in that same line is talking about Hermione, there's no spell that a witch her age... Is that just in the movie? No, Hagrid says it. Yeah. And they haven't invented a spell our Hermione can't do. That's it, yeah. So he says that, which is so wonderful. But on top of it, he says the thing to Ron that's like, you know what, it's probably better that it happened this way. Yes, he's like, I don't blame you, but would come up here and be like... 
bitch, what happened? And then you'd have been in trouble. And yeah, it totally sucks what is happening to him. But it's such a nice voice of reason. And Hagrid doesn't often get to be the voice he's of reason. He's not often. This is, this is a really good Hagrid yeah. chapter. Because he's such a good friend, but also mentor in this chapter to all three of them. Yeah. Absolutely. I really, really love Hagrid in this chapter. I would like to comment on Hagrid making all the points about the job being cursed. Yes. So this is why I put it in my summary, because there is a lot of other little details here that are very important, and I didn't want to forget them, mostly. <laughs> he mentions that there is the whole note of, of course, the pink umbrella, because he, like, engorgios the pumpkins. Question. Do you think Dumbledore knows? Yes. I think Dumbledore helped him. Yeah. Okay. Glad we're on the same yeah. page there. I think Dumbledore was like, how about this pink umbrella? No one will ever suspect it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Okay. I like it. It's canon. It's um, canon. <laughs> <laughs> like, why even mention the pumpkins? Like, that was a great mechanism to get back to, like, the little umbrella thing. And, oh, by the way, he was expelled, was expelled. And that'll come up later. Now, the one thing, and I'm sure that once you say the answer, because I know you know, I'll be like, oh, yeah, no shit. Why was Ginny there? I think that Hagrid is on to why Ginny was there, but also, huge spoiler for the end of the book, I wonder if she's already under yes, under I, the diary and is, like, scoping out chickens. Scoping out chickens, that's what it was. That went over my head. I was like, why? So if you don't know what happens at the end of the book, the chickens thing will probably confuse you, but it'll make sense later. Yeah. Also, just read the book. Exactly. Jesus. You can read ahead. You don't have to listen to every episode. Listen, Roxana, <laughs> I know you're listening. I know you finished the book already. Yes, exactly. Natalie, catch the fuck up. Yeah, she never will. <laughs> it's important that they keep mentioning, oh, hey, remember, Ginny's in this book. Very similar to Quirrell. They do a really nice job of keeping Ginny as a person you remember but don't spend time with. Yes. So after some delightful time with our wonderful buddy Hagrid, minus, you know, the shitty fudge that tastes like rocks. rocks. (laughs) Yes. Oh, my God. And so I think I had mentioned in one of the last episodes, they had like the treacle tart at um, our Halloween party. And Mm -hmm. I was like, this is just like sugar water. It's so gross. And then it was talking about how that's Harry's favorite. And I was like, Harry, what the fuck? Now there's this treacle fudge and it's like cementing his jaw shut. We know his favorite is probably made by Hogwarts half-selves and it's probably magic. That's what you said last time, too. Probably delicious. I think it is. (laughs) So imagine like what the pumpkin pasties taste like. Because those are... And this is someone who... My birthday is next week. It is. So is Thanksgiving. Next year, my birthday is Thanksgiving. I told my parents, I am not fucking hosting Thanksgiving next year. I have to see everybody. That's enough. But, like, if I like pumpkin pasties, you know those pumpkin pasties at Hogwarts are, like, the shit. We run into Mithka. And it's detention time. Yeah, so who decides these detentions? I know we had this conversation last book. She's just like, I don't know. I don't know. They're, like, sitting in the staff lounge and... Filch is like, I need help polishing things. And you're like, she's like, whatever. You got Snape. Who else do you need? (laughs) And then, well, Snape can just magic. He's like, no, I need you to do something. No, Snape is polishing. Yes, I know. I was trying to get out of that. (laughs) Not me. I'm the worst. Anytime I can make a dick joke, you know. Shocking. (laughs) That's what I think. They're sitting in the teacher's lounge and Lockhart is there trying to show off. And you know, Micah does not give a shit. He's just like, I need help answering my fan mail. 
So she's like, whatever you... He's like, yeah. oh, is Mr. Potter available? Can he come help me? Oh, like, I would love which to... Which makes it sound so much more disgusting, <laughs> He's just the worst. Like, he's like, really... Like, I want Harry to help me answer my fan mail so he knows what it's like to be a celebrity. Part of me, And McGuff's just like, I don't fucking care. Like, at face value, and I'm sure I have real McGuff work to do. Was like, yeah. I feel like McGuff at first was like, ugh, whatever, sure. That's not anything comparable to polishing these trophies. But yeah, I even wrote down like, oh my gosh, like, which one really is worse? Do you have a preference between these two? I definitely would rather polish trophies. I think I probably would too. I have a desk job and I'm in my mid-30s. Like, I don't want to write yeah. shit. I'm not doing Christmas cards this year because no one ever sends them back. However, if you do want to send us a Christmas card, send it to P.O. Box... We'll let you know when we get one. I've made that it's joke. It's going to be Adam's house. Yes. I'm not going to put my address on here, though. Yeah, so if you want to send us Christmas cards, send us a message. Yeah. And then we'll send you one back. Yes. We, we will do that. That'll probably be a photo of one of Adam's cat. Oh, my gosh. I have sweaters for them that I only bring out for special occasions. Because as soon as I put them on, they take them immediately off. But maybe that's what they'll be. No promises, but that's probably likely. Photo of the cats taking sweaters off. It'll be a little family picture of Tara, me, and the cats. All in our Christmas sweaters. Do you have a Christmas sweater? No, I don't have a Christmas sweater. We'll get you a Christmas sweater. Okay. Okay. My whole joke... I have sweaters that are... You think that's enough? (laughs) You think just a sweater is enough? They call me the ugly Christmas sweater because I sweat a lot and I like Christmas. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Where the fuck were we? Oh, yes. Okay. So in the past, I would do Christmas cards too. And I made this long list and it was like 40 people and it always gets more every year. And that alone is a pain in the ass. Doing something that is for me and at a time of the year that brings a lot of joy. Having to do it with this motherfucker for four fucking hours? Like, my no. God. And no. like, no. cleaning at least, I feel like you get something tangible out of it. As someone who is kind of a neat freak, after I clean my house, I feel ah, like I achieve something. Also, do you think that Ron is by himself with Filch just kind of chilling on a chair with his cat? Or is, like, cleaning with him. I think Filch is off doing other things. Yeah. So, like, you have some alone time. Yeah, I agree with you. Except like, for the slugs. The slugs are The slugs kind of suck. And he does mention about how he threw up slugs all over, like, a specific thing and he had to clean it back up. That's terrible. I mean, in the next chapter, Argus... Argus. Why do I call him Argus? Filch. Okay. <laughs> it's weird to call him Argus, even though that's his that's real name. name. Filch talks about all these other things that he has to clean up because of other students making a mess or playing pranks on him or whatever it is. So, like, yeah, I that's a really good point, too. So I'm just, I don't know. I would rather clean trophies. I think I agree with you. Yeah. I agree with that. But then, of course, the chapter ends on something very important and crucial to this chapter. Yeah. So Harry hears voices. Yeah. I just want to read the description of this voice. It was a voice, a voice to chill the bone marrow, a voice of breathtaking ice cold venom. That's terrifying. And also well done, the, JK. So I have a comment to say on that. I don't think this, but I, I think it's fun to think about. If Lockhart could have heard the voice, I don't think he would have told Harry. Say this was something that he could hear. He could just hear like the, the hissing of the parcel tongue or whatever yeah i don't think he would have admitted to harry because he has to be superior i also wonder what it would have been like if lockhart in his many adventures that you know caused him to write these books about the things he's obviously done hashtag um, sarcasm do you think that 
he would state that he understands parcel tongue. Not that he can speak it, but he understands it. But do you think that that would be something that would have like pushed his agenda of being this adventurer with all of these great stories? Or do you think that parcel tongue is so associated with bad things that people wouldn't care? I think I'm more inclined to think that. Because even though he's a fucking dumbass, he's still a Ravenclaw. The biggest voice in Lockhart's head is his own. Because he's such a huge egomaniac. He also is so big about image that if he were to admit that he could understand parcel tongue, I think people who really understand it and are smarter than him would back it up and be like, okay, then why can't you speak it? Mm -hmm. But also I think that they would immediately, or at least Lockhart thinks that they would immediately jump to the conclusion that there's something fucked up about him. You know what I mean? And I think he knows that and he wants to maintain his image. But I also agree with you that I think that he would not admit it to Harry. Similarly, what I wrote down about this is the whole thing about voices in your head. I'm someone who constantly overthinks and has this voice in my head. For example, creating all of these fake situations that <laughs> are not actually ever going to happen and like thinking the absolute worst. You know what I mean? I mean, I think a lot of people do that. Yes. I'm sure Harry does that. We just don't have time for that part of yeah. his brain. And that's the funny thing to bring up too when we're talking about, you know, Lockhart and his egomania and everything. When you're doing that, it is such a personal thing that you tend to forget that it is a common problem that other people have too. Absolutely. In this instance, it makes me feel like the basilisk is the other voice and it represents something that is causing stress or an anxiety or maybe a personification, for the lack of a better term, a snakeification of, yeah, okay. of anxiety, which was kind of interesting. It was an interesting read for me of that. And I don't necessarily know if that's what JK meant, but I don't know. I think it's still valid here. I mean, I appreciate all of that answer because I was like, I'm not sure how I feel about it. Yeah. The other thing is, very soon, like in a couple of chapters, I think, we're going to see Harry speak parcel tongue in front of the school. So why can't Lockhart hear the parcel tongue? Why can't he hear the hissing in the parcel right. tongue? What he is hearing is the actual snake speaking. Which... Like Harry can understand it and he's not recognizing that it's another language that he's understanding in English, but everyone else can hear the hissing and stuff that happens. When, when Harry does speaking, it. Yeah. I think it's because Harry's speaking like the human version of parcel tongue. Maybe so it's because snakes can only talk to people who speak parcel tongue. People who can speak parcel tongue, like Harry and Voldemort and Salazar Slytherin and the Gaunt family and all the people that you learn about through the series. And me. And you. Which, great. Uh, I want to know what the next snake is you meet, what he says. Please. Bitch, I see snakes all the fucking time every day. <laughs> Uh, just walking down the streets snakes everywhere bitch <laughs> but really like that's the only thing i can think of because it just doesn't make sense that everyone can hear harry say it and then like gosh all the spoilers for later on harry apparently speaks parcel tongue in his sleep sometimes and then ron can copy it oh yeah like <laughs> you know so yeah. I, it must be that snakes are not easy to hear if you're yeah. a human unless you speak parcel tongue. There's that too. My solution for that is like, let's pretend that all of this is real because it is. It is. Um, it is. <laughs> if we were going to go to the zoo, I think of like chapter two of book one and hear a snake hiss. Like it just sounds like a hiss. 
we don't know if it's actually kind of communicating to us. It's yeah. kind of like if we could speak to cats, their communication to us would be different, I guess. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Actually, Busby sense? is speaking right now, but only we can understand him. So you he can't is. hear him. He's not. He's sitting right in front of the fucking microphone, though. He keeps interrupting like us. Like, he is the star engage. of this show. He really is sitting right here. Hi, buddy. It makes me almost think of, like, okay, how is Hogwarts heated? I mean, yes, we all know that it's magic, but let's pretend that they have radiators or something. I mean, maybe people just think it's, like, the hissing of radiators. Yeah, like, that. that is kind of something that crossed my mind, or that it's, like, so faint and such, like, white noise that yeah. it doesn't make sense. It's also raining. It's a torrential downpour during these chapters. Yeah. Maybe that's so loud that it's, like, kind of covering up that faint hiss of the basilisk through the pipes or something. I'm glad that we're talking about this because this is the first it's kind of fun to mention talk about. of Parseltongue. Yeah. I mean, I didn't go on my whole tangent earlier about how the whole mudblood thing is another thing about wizard class system, right. um, discrimination within the wizarding community and all of that. Another interesting theme here, but like Parseltongue is something completely new that mm-hmm. is introduced without us even realizing it. Right. So no, I that was a great conversation. And that's a great way to end the chapter too. Like, it's not a cliffhanger but it's also like you're super interested yeah oh absolutely so on to the movie movie I know bigger things that were different in the movie, but something that we actually commented on when we watched the movie was how Hermione knows what a mudblood is. I hate that. Me too. Before we get there, I'm just going to go backtrack and say one little thing. Yeah. Why is Oliver Wood's accent so much thicker in this movie than it is in the first movie? (laughs) He got notes and he applied them. Anyway, back to Hermione. I never would have noticed that. But yes. I hate it. And there are huge things missing. Like the whole thing of Colin stalking Harry at the beginning. No, he's just fucking there. He's just there. He's there, which which, is fine. And whatever. I feel like that is maybe... We gotta get into the actual, like... Yeah. I get that. The books are written in a little bit more of a cartoony way, too, that might not translate so well to um, the movie. Okay. I think this is one of the instances where they kind of, like, got rid of it. And it's like, well, we've met him already. We know he's there. Blah, blah, blah. But the thing that really popped out to me was this whole thing where Hermione knows what a mudblood is. And it doesn't make sense. I don't like it. It's such a beautiful moment in the chapter where you get Ron doing a lecture and Ron doesn't do a lecture. It's really very nice to return to the fact that Ron is the only one of them that has grown up with this and understands things that they just can't teach in wizard school. Yeah. You can't teach Harry and Hermione 11 years of their life before they knew they were wizards. That's so important. And Ron is our only avatar for that. Mm -hmm. And I think that is why it's unnatural for Hermione to say that. Because I think some people could say, oh, she's read up about it. But like, how much... That should not be in her school books. In the, yeah, exactly. Like, that's not going to be in a Hogwarts of history. I imagine how this world is portrayed. There's not a lot of political books about... Yeah, stuff that's going to include racist life. terminology. I honestly think it would have been fine to do a truncated version of all the beautiful things that Ron does in the book. Yeah. Because they continue with the scene. Like, Hagrid still says basically the same thing he says in the book and saying, you know, Hermione can do anything. Yeah. It feels like the movies attempt to force her character a little bit. Another thing, speaking of things out of character, especially from the book, because I like this more in the book, too. When Draco Malfoy calls her mudblood, there is no reaction. 
I wrote that. I was like, I would have really liked to see reaction for yeah. that scene. Ron is especially the from only the Gryffindors. One who does it. Yeah, we don't know the background of any of the Gryffindors except for the Weasleys. Yeah, but you don't see Fred and George react, which no. is interesting because they're kind of hot headed. Mm-hmm. And I also feel in the book, like you get all the girls, especially, are like, "How dare you?" Yeah, all, you know, you like and, Angelina Johnson would have fucking said something, you know? Right, like, and no one says have. anything; they just they're, let it happen. Plus, they're Gryffindors. On the flip side, Stand the Slytherin idea of self-preservation and stuff. And I feel like that might even fuel a little bit of them trying to, like, protect Draco and be like, dude, like, you need to calm down in this instance. That part makes a little more sense. But they don't even do anything. No. They just just stand there. Everyone just stands there. It's like the scene is literally about Draco and Hermione Mm. and Ron. Yeah. I could almost even see them making the Slytherins, like, kind of laugh and be bullies in that moment. Like, that would have even been something. I mean, and they don't laugh until Ron makes himself... Yep, exactly. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, that whole scene was a little bit off for me. I don't remember what happened in the movie, but Harry, like, says something about Lockhart and the disdain in his voice. Oh, it's when he goes to see Lockhart. Yeah. Like, when he's... The disdain in his voice toward Lockhart is brilliant. Lockhart has something like, can you imagine a better way to spend your... And he's just like, yeah. And he's like, And no. he's like, no. Oh my god, he's so fucking yeah. funny. Yeah. Again, this is a moment where it's Kenneth Branagh. The way of that he's just like, oh, how time flies when you're having fun. Like, right? things like, it's it is so- like, he is a treasure of mm-hmm. an actor. I guess he's maybe not the most fun to work with. And I was like, well, he's really fucking fun to watch. Yeah. The picture that he's signing with like him on a broom or whatever that's like moving. Even that is just wonderful film work. Yeah. I do enjoy that. And I also love how Harry like hears the voice. He's like, what? And he was like, why are you so angry? Yeah. <laughs> oh, because you just spent four hours with Lockhart. I would be angry. <laughs> what yeah exactly. and also Lockhart does this creepy thing where he like looks around too because Harry's been looking around and you notice in the movie where he like also does this thing where he's like looking up like a that? little bit I wonder too if it's the way that Lockhart behaves and his like fascination with Harry mm-hmm. like if he's noticing that Harry's looking around then he's kind of like oh what is it how can I play off on this almost or something yeah, like that yeah he's such a pain in the ass yeah Yes. I mean, I think that covers everything. The only other thing that I mentioned to you when we were watching, the makeup that Ron has when oh he's throwing God. up the slugs. He's Radioactive like super looking. pale. Yeah, yeah, it's like super extreme. That child it looks more than like he's been throwing up slugs. Yeah. Like, are we concerned that he's alive still? Yeah. I don't know. Instead of like telling the actors, hey, react to this horrible thing that this kid has said. They were like, makeup designers, come on over here. We need to make this child look dead. <laughs> like. But there's the movie. Pretty short and sweet. Okay, I have a lot of points okay. to give and take away. You go for it. I had mentioned earlier how there were other people who could have had points taken away. Marcus Flint or Oliver Wood, but they're not even on here because there's so many other instances. First points that I'm giving, plus five to Flitwick at the beginning. I felt really bad oh, for him. Flitwick's fucking great. The theme here is I feel bad for people. <laughs> Because I also give 20 to Ron because I'm just like, poor Ron. In the last couple episodes, I took points back away from Ron. He was building it up and then Then he he lost a lot because of the car. And now I'm giving him 20 back. So he went from like positive 15. He went down to negative 15. And now he's up Poor to Ron. positive five again. It's like he has a roller coaster. This Hey, it's better than his trajectory in the last book. Let's say that much. Plus 10 to Hedwig. 
in the past few chapters, I've mentioned how, like, we've been neglecting her a little bit with points. She's still angry from everything that has happened, and part of that is because she didn't receive any points. So 10 to Hedwig, plus 10 to also Hagrid for being such a great mentor and such a good friend in this moment, plus 10 to Hermione for having to deal with the whole mudblood thing. Also, something we didn't really touch on is how long Woods' lessons must have been, mm -hmm. because they get out to the field, and Ron and Hermione out there with, like, breakfast and stuff and they're like what do you mean you're just now starting yeah and like yeah. clearly he was woken up really early so it took a long freaking time that's another reason to give them points they're like oh harry had to get up really early for practice let's go out and support him and then plus 20 to Harry too for everything he goes through between Colin and Lockhart. Immediately when Ron has his condition, he like takes him. He's like, okay, let's go to Hagrid. Yeah. There's a lot of great Harry moments in this chapter too. And we talk so much about Ron and Hagrid in particular, but I really want to mention Harry too. Negative 10 to Lockhart because we've seen this coming. Mostly it's because... First of all, he's there, so I'm going to take points away from him. But if he's, he's mentioned, he's losing points. But he's, like, creeping around Hagrid I Fucking now. hate him. Like, it just shows that he's going from professor to professor and, like, bugging them. Being an annoying fuck. Negative 15 to Colin, because he really does completely disregard any boundaries that Harry may have had there. And then negative 20 to Lucius, because he's a slime ball for buying those brooms. He's such a fucking slime ball. And negative 30 to Draco for being racist. I don't know what your winner and loser look like, but in my mind, it's Draco just simply from saying that. Like, that supersedes anything that uh, Lucius or Lockhart... Are you Lockhart trying to tell me how I should be done. doing this? No, not um, at all. We'll see what you say, because yours is going to be more valid. But if I were doing it, Draco would be losing the chapter. So that was a lot. Let me recap. So... Plus 5 to Flitwick, plus 10 to Hedwig, plus 10 to Hagrid, plus 10 to Hermione. There's a lot of H's. Holy shit. Plus 20 to Harry, plus 20 to Ron. Negative 10 from Lockhart, negative 15 from Colin, negative 20 from Lucius, negative 30 from Draco. That was a lot. It's a lot of points. Yep, there were a lot of people in this. And like I said, I could have taken away from Oliver, I could have taken away from Marcus Flint, like... I probably could have given to Migga because, I mean, she was there. She exists, but. so give her points. Yeah. So Well, that was fun. Yes, it was. That was so that was chapter seven. Yep. Next time, it will be chapter eight. The death day party. Ooh. Ooh, creepy. Ooh. <laughs> we'll talk to you next time, snitches. Yay. Have Bye. a great day as usual. As usual. <laughs> Or don't. Like, maybe you don't have a usual day. No, really, we want you to have a great day. Yeah. Not, not an as usual not day. Not an as usual. If your as usual like, day is great, awesome. If it's not, if it's have not, a great day. have a great day. Oh my gosh. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs>